Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Paul Calvisi joins me as we begin week three of training camp. Got the first preseason game coming up on Friday. Expect to see a lot of the young talent on this team, especially along the offensive line. We'll get into what Sean Kugler had to say about his group. But first, mandatory mustache. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 578, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed it. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. Might never say this again, but I'll say this at least once, and only once. It is a shame, disappointing, that Paul Calvisi did not report to training camp with his mustache, as typically he does, only to shave it off minutes later just because of all the ribbing he gets. But... After seeing Max Williams up close on Monday, I would love to do a side-by-side comparison to see who rocks it better. So you have a newfound appreciation for said mustache. Is that what you're seeing? I do. One, because I just can't grow the facial hair like you. That's one. And then two, it's it's a little different. It's something new and... Well, keep in mind, it it takes me all of the two and a half (laughs) weeks of vacation. uh, And actually, this year, I cheated. I started five days before vacation to give it a bit of a head start. Um, And then I got cold feet because, I, well, number one, I didn't realize Cole McCoy was going to show up with such a glorious mustache. I had no idea. And then I had no idea that Max Williams was going to come off pup so early in camp. If I would have been privy to that information, Greed, then I maybe just maybe would have rocked it because there's comfort in numbers. So that's really the key. And you're right. At the very end, I chickened out. In fact, the morning of the first day to report to camp, I shaved it off. I was so resolute, and then I chickened out. Well, there's always next season to see how that mustache might stack up with Max Williams, who did mention that as much as he likes it, it, quote, I think it's going to have to go soon. We'll see. I think he's getting a little tired. The the maintenance. Paul, you can speak to this, really, right, that the maintenance of a mustache – well, there's also the maintenance of the spouse as well. So, you know, that's really what he was saying there. He's a married man myself. Let me translate. Uh, the wife, there's only so much of a shelf life on the mustache before the wife intervenes and can make life very difficult for you. I'm going to make the smooth transition <laughs> to you, – You brought it up, and now you're sorry. Mustache to actually Max Williams on the field because there were some other news – on Monday and the fact that for the first time in training camp we saw Max Williams participate in 11 on 11 and with some contact against another player now we haven't seen him go through one-on-one blocking drills but going through 11 on 11 and you mentioned you mentioned it coming off pup list last Thursday was not expecting that in week two at training camp here we are in week three and dare I say potential of Max Williams being available ready week one Paul we're a little over a month away is that is that saying too much I think so to say it right now is saying too much let me just leave it at that I'm not even sure after sitting through the press conference with Max he's even sure 
exactly where he's going to stand still four weeks from now. I mean, we have a long way to go before the regular season opener against the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think everybody obviously hopes that he's available. You heard Max Williams say, oh, yeah, I'll get out there. We'll run 13 personnel all day. You throw out there Zach Ertz and Trey McBride and Max Williams, and, man, that would be a new package. I mean, to show up with something no one has ever seen on film before. Now, you're also assuming that Cliff Kingsbury, he actually has that page in his playbook, which we're not exactly certain of. We know that Hollywood Brown is familiar with it, and Max Williams is familiar with it from their Baltimore days, but – Whether it would actually be reality here with the Cardinals, I don't know. But as for Max Williams, the personality is still upbeat. Uh, He's still one of the most popular guys in that locker room. He's definitely ahead of schedule, at least everything the media was told. To your point, he's out there 11 on 11. But until we see him full contact, full football, doing what he does best, and that is a blocking tight end who is so stout at the point of attack – Until we see that out of Max Williams, then guess what? I just don't think it is realistic until that moment comes. It was week five, October 10th, here at State Farm Stadium against the San Francisco 49ers. And up until that point, he was trending for having a career year through the first four games of the regular season. And I know Ron Wolfley points to Max Williams when we talk about those first four games as far as what the offense was doing, 30-plus points, 400-plus total yards of offense and what effect Max Williams has on this offense when healthy. And the run game was at its best when Max Williams was in uniform for two reasons. One, he's a heck of a blocking tight end. And number two, as we've detailed this offseason, it's much less of a tell when you have a dual tight end out there. It really keeps the defense guessing. It it really keeps uh, an offense under disguise when you have that sort of tight end out on the field, which is one of the reasons I firmly believe they drafted Trey McBride. I think two things happened last year. The GM, Steve Kime and company, they realized, one, oh boy, you know what? A center really is that valuable. When they got Rodney Hudson into camp and they got him in uniform, they realized, wow, look what a center can really do for your quarterback and your offense in general. And number two, look what a dual tight end can do for your offense as well, the ability to block and catch. And what we've seen so far, the rookie Trey McBride is as advertised. He definitely checks both boxes. He catches the ball so easy. He does not fight the football at all. He is a natural pass catcher, Trey McBride. And you were standing there when Wolf was raving about the legs, <laughs> the tree trunks on Trey McBride and, and the lower half, his ability to hold up in the point of attack. As we have seen when it's been tight ends against outside linebackers, he's been very stout and very physical. And the good news is Trey McBride back on the practice field on Monday was not participating in 11-on-11, but he had missed the past couple of days because of a back issue, and the goal is for him to be able to go on Friday and get some preseason reps against the Cincinnati Bengals. Back to Max Williams and what Cliff Kingsbury had to say, calling Williams one of the best blocking tight ends that he's ever seen. And then that topic of conversation about 12 personnel, 13 personnel. We did see it albeit briefly, Paul, on Monday. Three tight ends near the goal line, I believe. If I remember correctly, it was Steven Anderson, Bernhard Sykovitz, and I think Dion Yelder. But there were three tight ends on the field with Colt McCoy under center. And then there was a flag thrown, so the play never officially happened. Now, maybe that was just some eye candy for Ron Wolfley, who was standing next to us. I don't know. Yeah, but was Wolf jumping up and down at that very moment? He had everything. He had the tight yeah. ends. He had right. this under center. Right. I, you know, it, but, but you it, know I would what? like to see 
maybe not three, but when you have a a Max Williams who can do both, when you have Trey McBride who certainly can catch now, how good is he at blocking in the National Football League? And then Zach Ertz who's a very good pass catcher. If you can find some way to utilize all three or two of the three and just kind of Let's go back to what McBride says. You always point to it. His off-season off comments disguise the offense a little yeah. bit. Look, the offense is going to have to evolve, and that would be a big area, a big a big consideration to you know improve this offense, get it a little more dynamic. Now, whether Kyler's going to be the guy under center all that much more often this year, maybe. I'll believe it when I see it, but I think tight end especially – you know, the word on Zach Ertz is he had an excellent offseason. He really looked good that first week at camp. Now, the good news is right now, although he's missed the last week or so with a calf injury, he's out of the boot. You see him on the sideline. You know, there's he doesn't see a hitch in the giddy-up. So uh, there's no reason to think otherwise that it isn't a minor injury and he's tracking to be ready. In fact, Zach Ertz, I think, looks so good early that if you didn't maybe uh, have a J.J. Watt-type injury last year and you're going to really err on the side of caution and make sure he's under wraps until you get to the end of August and early September, that would not surprise me if that was the case with Zach Ertz. Plus, you have so many other tight ends on the roster who need reps, especially in these preseason games. You named a few of them. You know, another number that stood out, uh, people on the sideline, people in the know have said Steven Anderson has looked really good, number 89, former receiver, now a tight end. Uh, Chris Pierce Jr., former wide receiver, rookie tight end, got a shout-out from Max Williams. They are really deep at that position, and we've also seen, have we not, that tight end in the backfield a lot more in this training camp. Is that H? So it's interesting. We also saw a couple of two-back sets today in front of the fans in an open practice. James Conner, Eno Benjamin. In fact, it was back-to-back plays, whether they were split behind Colt McCoy or – just a little bit of an offset eye. Again, what happens in training camp versus what happens in the regular season, we'll see if what the head coach saw on film during these practices, he says, all right, let's try to run it because we all want to see something a little different or maybe it's not done early on but later in the season. So there's that dramatic drop-off offensively that we can avoid this year. And you call it install. Right. There's a lot of everything gets installed in training camp. Now, when it comes to game week, you're only taking chapters out of that voluminous playbook. Right. And there's only, so, uh, you know, are there chapters that are being installed now that you won't see unveiled until December? That is the $64 million question. What exactly happened each of the last two years where the Cardinals lost five of their last seven and missed the playoffs in 2020, lost five of their final six, including the playoff loss? If you're going to self-scout in the offseason, it starts and ends right there. What can you do differently come December and January? And if it's a matter of the offense getting a little too predictable and uh, defense is catching up over the course of a season once there's more and more game film – Because, look, once you put something on film, good or bad, guess what? You're going to see it from the opposition until you either stop it or you beat it. That's just the way it works in the NFL. And it got to a point last year, for whatever reason, injuries or otherwise, the Cardinals were not able to beat certain looks and certain schemes and defensive approaches to what they were doing on offense, and it cost them down the stretch. And this is the time here at Cardinals Training Camp, powered by Cox, where you can do – different things where you can experiment a little bit and see what works speaking of experiments the emergency kicker 
experience. We had a chance to hear yeah. from special teams coordinator and assistant head coach Jeff Rogers on Monday, and he mentioned Eno Benjamin was out kicking field goals because – Knock yeah. on wood, we don't yeah. have to utilize door number two, if you will. But then he kind of hinted that there was another player, 150 pounds heavier than Eno Benjamin. And, Paul, you and I were actually watching that portion of practice where there was some seven-on-seven seven going on on one side of the field, and the offensive line was on the other side of the field, and Matt Prater was kicking, and the ball was all teed up nice, nicely. And then all of a sudden – Let's go back to our conversation on Friday. My new favorite player on this Cardinals team, Will Hernandez, just calmly in stride, kicked the ball, and it sailed over the fence, and it actually looked pretty good. And Matt tells us later that, well, Will Hernandez kicked in college. So perhaps emergency kicker, Eno Benjamin versus Will Hernandez. You heard it here first on Cardinals Cover 2. Apparently, Will Hernandez has a soccer background. And so he's very adept at kicking a ball. So, and you're right, he was very impressive. And all he has to do is get some of that body weight behind that leg, and boom, it'll take off. And it certainly did. So, Eno Benjamin, Will Hernandez, there's your camp competition <laughs> to be the backup kicker, a position you hope you never have to utilize. But, but somebody has to be the answer to that question, right? Because you never exactly know what's going to happen. Now, the backup or emergency long snappers we found out last year, Sean Harlow, correct? correct? So, okay. You have your specialists, but, you know, Jeff Rogers, the special teams coach, has to have an answer there. And it was very intriguing to see Will Hernandez. There's no doubt that would be an absolute viral video if, indeed, he ever gets into a game and he kicks. It's sort of like Alan Branch back in the day. Six foot six, 350 pound Alan Branch said he was a kick returner in high school. And I said, are you kidding me? If I'm, a, if I'm a parent and my kid is on kick cover and Alan Branch is a return man, I'm going personally down to the field and yanking him off in the name of his own safety. Yeah, you wave the white flag on that one. Just say, all right, just, just, it's, it's done. It's on to the next play. Will Hernandez, if he ever trots out on the football field, all 6'3", 332 pounds of him for a field goal of what, maybe 25, 30 yards? Um, yeah, count me. I, I'm all in for that one because I do think this can be – I don't know if a career resurgence is the correct term, but I, I'm reminded of the conversation that you and Will had in the offseason on the Big Red Rage about pro football focus and the – Lack of confidence in those numbers that the offensive linemen like. But the first year after UTEP, after being with Sean uh, Kugler, now coming back here, reunited on how much those two can get back on the same page. And with Will Hernandez and Sean Kugler being back together again, maybe we see an uptick in Hernandez's play compared to the last couple of years with the Giants. Yeah, the rating from Pro Football Focus was that he had a declining grade each of his four years in the NFL, that his highest grade was as a rookie when he was the second highest guard taken in the 2018 draft behind Quentin Nelson of the Indianapolis Colts. So he was very highly drafted. He was very highly thought of, and, and he had a very solid rookie year. But then once again, those numbers declined. All right, couple reasons. Number one, guess what? The New York Giants in four years had how many different offensive line coaches? Four. Unbelievable. But he kept going through different position coaches, which had uh, you know diminishing returns in terms of its impact. And then number two, he said, you know what? If you go back to that rookie year in my New York Giants film, 
This is his quote now. There's a lot of Kugler on that tape, meaning the respect he has for his current position coach, who was his head coach and position coach at UTEP. And so, uh, you know what? I think combined with everything else, proximity to where he grew up in the Las Vegas area and everything else, he needed a fresh start. He wanted to reunite with Sean Kugler in the name of his own career because it really is a make-or-break year. As he told the media just the other day, he said, you know what, hey, no vet days, no vet days. And he smiled and sort of pounded his chest, and and rightfully so. Will Hernandez looks like a really motivated guy this year, and it makes sense for everything we just said. It's a one-year contract, so it's a contract year. Can he put something on film during these 17 games to all of a sudden perhaps looking forward to next year D.J. Humphreys signed. Rodney Hudson is under contract. That's it as far as this offensive line is concerned. Ken Hernandez, I know we're really early in this conversation, but can he be one of those answers at the guard position? If Justin Murray doesn't get hurt last year, I think it's a much different season for the Arizona Cardinals. That's the degree which I thought right guard became a liability. And for everything we talked about in the offseason, oh, can the Cardinals get another receiver? Here comes Hollywood Brown. Can the Cardinals get another corner? And are they still going to sign a corner? Edge rusher minus Chandler Jones, defensive tackle. I get it. To me, you could argue right guard was the biggest liability slash weakness a year ago after Justin Murray went down early in the season. They just never had an answer. It was constantly an issue and pass protection and the run game. And uh, honestly, my own speculation and thought, I think it rattled the confidence of the quarterback who always had to worry about the right guard spot being a sieve. And so with that in mind, you sign a Will Hernandez. I think it's going to be a heck of an addition if he keeps up what we've seen early in camp. And not by coincidence, Josh Jones is now a tackle. As Sean Kugler told everyone, no fault of his own. He's a six foot seven lifelong tackle. That's just his position. That's what he plays. So now his position flexibility is either left or right tackle instead of tackle or interior line. And the only reason he played guard was because of the injury yeah. to Justin Murray. He was one of the best right. five and position flexibility, the versatility, get your best five out there. But Kugler mentioned he played out of position last season. That's why he struggled. The number of penalties, the number of false starts going backwards instead of forwards but if he can just concentrate on tackle where he played his entire career in Houston and college as far as being that left tackle now the question is is there a potential of him beating out Kelvin Beecham on the right side I haven't seen that so far but he's certainly going to be right now in the mix to be that swing tackle it was interesting to hear Sean Kugler tell the media he considers Josh Jones quote a future starter now I don't think the future is now but uh, they have seen nothing to dissuade themselves that they got real value in round three a couple of year, years ago when they took Josh Jones out of Houston. So you have that. You also have Lasita Smith and Marquise Hayes, who have gotten a lot of action early in camp. Lasita Smith at, at center. And, look, he's going to have to dial down the, the shotgun snaps. They've gone awry here and there. But as someone playing the position for the very first time and having to worry about snapping the ball and then taking on an NFL defensive lineman in those one-on-one drills, you, you can understand. But if they, uh, if they can get Lasita Smith to, to evolve into what they think he can be as a former tight end with great feet, good size, unbelievable strength, very stout, that could be a real fine on day three of this year's draft. Quentin Harris on the Day Patch podcast earlier this offseason called Smith a steal, in my opinion, and playing a 
brand new position had never lined up in the center position, and it's difficult. You say snapping the football, that's hard enough. But now when you're in shotgun and you're asked to snap the ball cleanly and quickly for someone who's never done it before, I think we take it for granted, but we've seen it from Rodney Hudson. There are some snaps that go awry. It is not that easy. I'll give you an example. Uh, number 90 on your roster, right, Rashard Lawrence, guy who just met the media moments ago, great, here at Cardinals camp. And he said, when I'm healthy, I consider myself one of the better nose tackles in this league. Pretty interesting from a guy who doesn't have a lot of experience to speak of in this league as of yet and dealt with injuries most of last year. But when you stand on the sidelines with guys who have played the defensive front and know what they're looking at, when number 90 was in one of some of the drills, Kyle Vandenbosch standing right next to us, and right away he cited the get-off on Rashard Lawrence, which was part of his scouting report coming out of LSU. He has a phenomenal first step. He re- reacts quickly after the snap of the ball. So now you're Lucina Smith. You're learning the center position. you got to worry about the shotgun snap, and you have Rashard Lawrence in his get-off straight in front of you, 320-plus pounds. So, yeah, there's a lot on the plate of the rookie out of Virginia Tech, Lucita Smith. But they are bullish on what they've seen so far. And now you have three preseason games. And and that's where a lot of these young guys really make their strides over the next few games in, in this month of August. And it'll be very telling. And I think you would agree, you know, based on – uh, on where we are in practice right now, everybody needs a game. And I think the evaluators need a game at this point. They need to see some of these Cardinals players, especially the young, unproven players, go against a different team, a different jersey, and, and just where the intensity is 100% so they can get a true gauge of what they have. Well, Lawrence brought it up. I need to see a different color uniform. I need to hit somebody else that's not a teammate that I might hurt in practice. But preseason game number one coming up on Friday against the Cincinnati Bengals, 4.30 kickoff, 12.30 pregame on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. Pauly, you're going to have the play-by-play along with Drew Stanton. We're going to boot Dave Pash and Ron Wolfley out of the radio booth okay they're doing tv but uh watch on television but turn up paul and drew and get a good look at these young players whether it's a young offensive lineman like a lasita smith or marquise hayes or some of those young defensive linemen as well especially those pass rushers okay i'm glad you said that because i was going to ask you which player not named so far you're most looking forward to seeing at cincinnati i'll go first because uh my Jay Sanders is the guy I'd love to see, 41. I'm really curious what he looks like. Talking to the media today, and, and I just asked him about going against NFL offensive linemen. Right away he cited DJ Humphreys and, and you know what he's encountered going against a Pro Bowl caliber left tackle. Josh Jones as well he's cited. But he's made some, he's made some tackles not named DJ Humphreys. Look pretty pedestrian in some of these drills with what he calls his speed rush, which is a legit speed rush. He has a lot of athleticism. He has a lot of length. He has a lot of bend. I'm real curious, especially there's probably nobody as motivated as a MyJ Sanders for a preseason game, just the fact it's back in Cincinnati and he went to CU, and he mentioned how important it is to him to go back and show all the Bearcats at CU that, you know what, it's possible. You can get from the college game to the NFL, even though there were nine Bearcats drafted. Yes. Which, which is a remarkable stat for, the, for that program. And, of course, they went to the college football semifinals and, and all that. But uh, my Jay Sanders, I am Vera, I'm going to have half an eye on him while we're calling the game. My untrained eye just watching training camp practices here at State Farm Stadium, it would appear to me that Sanders is a little bit ahead 
of Cameron Thomas. Agreed. And that's just watching how quickly Sanders gets off the line of scrimmage and that speed rush that we keep hearing about. Cameron Thomas, a little bit more powerful, and he's playing more inside of Sanders when they're lined up next to one another. Now, that's a package that how often we'll see on the field. Sanders certainly appreciates it, likes it, may have tipped us off a little bit more than he wanted to, kind of like Trey McBride in the offseason, talking about the two tight ends on the field at the same time. But Thomas, your third-round pick, 87th overall. Sanders, third-round pick. 100th overall. Remember, that was part of the Hollywood Brown trade with the Baltimore Ravens. But I think, again, you can't replace a Chandler Jones. So it's got to be by committee. Who steps up? We're all focused on Marcus Golden, Dennis Gardock on the other side. Can he get back to that form two years ago when on limited snaps he had, what, seven sacks and 93 and 94 yep. snaps? Devon Kennard, we haven't really seen him rush the quarterback in a Cardinals uniform, he does have experience with the Detroit Lions. He's more of that run stopper. But, okay, outside of Kennard, Golden, and Gardeck, who else does this team have? How about what my Jay Sanders said about Dennis Gardeck? He said, and I'm quoting loosely, the craziest thing I've ever seen is Gardeck rushing the passer. And then he was asked a follow-up question about it. He said, well, just he's so fluid. He never wastes a step. There's no false movement. Um, you know, and there's two totally different body types. A Dennis Gardeck, who's like a six foot pit bull, and then you have a six foot five long athletic guy like a My J. Sanders. Not to say that Gardeck isn't athletic. He's ridiculously athletic. All you have to do is watch him on special teams the last but few But undersized years. for what we typically think <laughs> of when we're talking about edge rushers. Yeah, he just gets low all the time. He gets underneath these offensive linemen, and, and then all of a sudden he gets the edge with leverage, and uh, he's almost like a wrestler playing a pass rusher and so once again you know we've talked about this if you can get just different body types to give these tackles a variety of challenges over the course of a game if you truly have this rotation going whether it's the junkyard dong barcus golden whether you know it's a my jay sanders who's more akin to a chandler jones type a dennis gardeck who is singular in so many ways in this league the way he rushes the passer um, you know, that that could be the Cardinals' competitive advantage when it comes to getting some pressure off the edge. And give credit to Sanders for bringing up Gardeck because coming into the NFL and you've got, you know, you're six foot five and you see someone that's six feet tall, not a household name, seems to be either Sanders has watched and learned very quickly since arriving here or he's watched tape of Gardeck and done his homework to realize, yeah, he might be undersized, I might be stronger, quicker, faster than this Dennis Gardeck, but he knows how to get to the quarterback. Maybe I can learn some tricks for him, from him as far as how to get better into the backfield quicker than maybe I'm already doing now. Yeah, he probably realized he got here and he said, wait a minute, this guy just got a three-year, $12 million contract extension. So obviously he's doing something right. And then just Gardak being the personality he is, you know, I'm sure those two have, uh, you know, grown a friendship between the two of them. Anyone else agree that you're looking at in this game on Friday night? Um, you know, I look up and down here and you see some of the, you know, all the different receivers like a Greg Dorch, for example. There was a play, probably the play of the red and white on Saturday. And for the 18,000 fans who are out here, I think you would agree where Vance Joseph brought the house. There were seven guys going after the quarterback. Jared Garantano, he came off to his right, sprinted to the right, just when he thought he was maybe going to step out of bounds or throw it away. Instead, he unleashed sort of a 
sort of a sidearm throw down the sideline, a laser of a pass that hugged the sideline, got past a couple of defenders, and Greg Dorch snagged it, toe-tapped it up, and it was a great play, the pitch and catch. Very athletic on both sides. So Greg Dorch has made a lot of plays. Now you see, can he do it in these preseason games? One name on defense, and again, it's another draft pick, but seventh-round selection, Christian Matthew, the cornerback, who did get based off of Marco Wilson being a little bit more limited on Monday. But we're seeing Christian Matthew get some looks with the first team just based off the rotation. But if you can find something with him, 6'2", 195, you talk about mm. a taller cornerback. Now, can he be as physical with the wide receivers in the National Football League? But I like his backstory. I like how he arrived giving football a second opportunity after nearly taking a job with, I think if I recall, uh, with Walmarts and yes. just putting football That's in the right. rearview mirror. But his girlfriend said, no, let's just – roll the dice one more time and the Cardinals selected him in the seventh round and that phone call as he told us in the offseason changed his life literally changed his life and you want again I know it's this day three pick it's a seventh round selection but can you find can you find that gem on day three can it be someone at a position let's be honest cornerback that position needs to find some depth because if you don't find it here early in these preseason games then they're going to be making moves and finding someone off the street no doubt by the way Aaron Brewer's story of how he got into the NFL right you mentioned Matt Prater do you know that as a rookie he lived in Prater's basement I just found Aaron Brewer did? Aaron Brewer lived in Prater's basement as a rookie in Denver. Prater (laughs) opened up to him and said, because he made the team basically out of nowhere. He showed up, and even Aaron Brewer says, you know, I showed up in Denver. You know, they signed me out of San Diego State. I wasn't even going to go to the San Diego State Pro Day. Special teams coach said, show up. There was one special teams coach there from the NFL, happens to be the name Jeff Rogers, brought me into camp. He said, I thought, you know, what, what's the worst that can happen? Hey, maybe I'll get to meet Peyton Manning. <laughs> he shows up. He was the quintessential camp body against a veteran long snapper at the time. He ends up winning the job. He had nowhere to live once he got out of the dorms. He had no car to drive. Matt Prater set him up and both. They, they would commute to practice every day. He's living in Prater's basement, and it's just a great story about now 11 years later, boom, Uh, Aaron Brewer, one of the most established long snappers in the league, and I'm sure he's made quite a living doing it. And his seventh season, going into his seventh season with the Cardinals, certainly a value to the special teams group when you talk about Prater, Brewer, and Andy Lee as well. By the way, Paul, are are the pipes, are are we good for Friday to do uh, play-by-play? We've got two games, that middle preseason game with national television. You'll kind of get bumped to the sideline, but are we good to go on Friday from Cincinnati? Agree. I I think you need to worry about your own backyard. You've got like four and a half hours of pregame show to do, so uh, you know, you better make sure you're ready to go and have the hot tea. That's the heavy lift because you're <laughs> your duties right. are are are, are yeah. so no. enormous and superseding no. what I do. No, the, prior the, to your arrival in the booth. Yeah, the trickle down for you. So I apologize in advance. <laughs> uh, you know, you're gonna have to pack a lunch, maybe two lunches for <laughs> for the shift on Friday. But it'll be fun. There's no doubt. And I tell you what, if you haven't listened to Drew Stanton, he does an excellent job. We think we know football. <laughs> And then you hear the mind of someone who played quarterback in the NFL for, what, 13 years and how quickly he can diagnose and discern what's going on. And he does an excellent job of describing it to the audience. I'll just tell you, the times I've worked with Drew in the booth, I've learned a lot. He, he, is, he is excellent. And you realize quarterbacks are watching a different game than the rest of us. Again, 
watch on 12 News, turn down the sound, and turn up 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station and the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network to hear Paul Calvisi and Drew Stanton on Friday. 4.30 is the kickoff. 12.30 pregame coverage begins preseason game number one. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2. It's on to Cincinnati. <laughs>